0: Hey, and welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where I chat with interesting people doing fascinating things who inspire me and hopefully you guys to get out of our comfort zones uh, with their stories and with their ideas. It's also the show where we delve into the way that these guys get out of their comfort zones if they have strategies or tactics that can help us get uncomfortable. Today's guest is the CEO and chief bubble blower of Pledge.me, Anna Gunther. Pledge.me is a New Zealand crowdfunding platform uh, helping Kiwis fund their projects for awesome things that they're doing uh, and things that they care about. So Pledge.me to date has helped raise over $15 million dollars. It's had over a thousand successful projects, and over eighty thousand different pledges. Today, Anna and I are chatting about uh, the origin story of PledgeMe, how it all how it all began, a bit about her background as well, how she got to the point of starting PledgeMe. We're talking about enjoying being naive in the beginning, um, and when we look back, we. All realize how just kind of how naive we were when we started out with things. We talk about finding a validation point. We talk about stress, the good stress and bad stress and how we manage both of them. Chat about shifting goalposts uh, as we, as we hit, uh, hit targets and kick goals. We talk about how PledgeMe is trying to change the, the landscape of crowdfunding why crowdfunding isn't dumb money, we talk about perspective, and we talk about internet trolls. So as always, if you enjoy the episode, make sure to share it out on uh, on your social media, talk about it with your mates next to the water cooler at work, or tell your mum. I want to have a little bit of a quick chat as well about perspective, um, because perspective has been a topic that's come up a few times in the last couple of weeks with some of the uh, some of the other podcast guests, uh, namely Will Fleming, Lucy Revel, Digby Scott, Joel Bouzade. So the, the last four. So make sure that if you're interested in that topic, go back and have a have a listen to those ones. Uh, they'll give you a bit more insight. But obviously chatting about this stuff recently has got me thinking about it a bit more as well. Um, and how our, our perspective is created by the interplay between our thoughts, our actions and our experiences and how to change our perspective. Sometimes our perspective can get a little bit stuck and can kind of keep us in our comfort zones and it's only by changing our perspective that we can actually start to to push outside our comfort zones. So to change our perspective, we also need to be able to change one of those other things that I mentioned before, either our thoughts or our actions or our experiences. And it doesn't have to be a massive change. It can can be a subtle change that just kind of gets the ball rolling with that perspective change and allows us to push outside our comfort zone a little bit. So one of the things actually, when I was thinking about how my perspective has changed over the last couple of years, one of the things that helped me to change it has actually been podcasts, sitting down and listening to different people's stories and listening to their advice and their ideas and, and the way that they're doing things helps to kind of mold my thought processes and change my thought processes um, which challenged my current perspective at that time, but as I've as my perspective has evolved, as it's kind of continually shifted, um, it, it's helped uh, help to really continue to sort of solidify parts of the perspective I have, but also to to evolve other parts as well. So it's a little bit of a love fest about podcasts that that we bit there. So make sure that you guys are uh, are looking to kind of challenge your perspective at least. I think over the next week, um, whether that's listening to listening to a podcast um, or taking taking a different action, doing something different, having a different conversation with people. Um, and speaking of podcasts, actually. I'd love to know what your favorite podcasts are, outside of Uncomfortable is OK, of course. So uh, tag me with your favorite podcast over on Instagram. Uh, my my name over there is Uncomfortable is OK. Um, or tag me on, on Facebook or, or Twitter as well and let me know what your favorite podcast is to, to help change your perspective. But I think that's enough of a ramble. Thank you, uh, Will Fleming, from last week's episode for that idea of the challenge for me, just to kind of go off the cuff with things a little bit more. So as I said before, make sure to share this episode out if you're loving what you hear. But thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Anna and I today. I am uncomfortable, but good. Excellent. Good. A little bit of discomfort <laughs> right at the start. That's quite nice. We don't want too much there for you. Um, Anna, to give me and the listeners a little bit more insight into yourself, can you like tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where you grew up, um, where you went to school, any sort of massive formative experiences when you were younger that, uh, oh, that wow. have shaped you as a person?
1: Well, as you can probably tell from my accent, I come from Dunedin. No one ever believes me when I say that. Um, but I grew up uh between Boston and Dunedin. Um my mom was a Kiwi, my dad's American. Uh, I moved to New Zealand um fully when I was 12, so that's probably a big formative experience. Um after my mother passed away, uh went to high school and university down down south. Um did uh, English literature degree, because that's what you do when you don't really know what you want to be when you grow up, and I really love reading books. Uh, and then, yeah, ended up overseas again, did some travel, did some work, came back to New Zealand, worked for the government, uh, realized I sort of hit the peak of what I could do in government, and that's when Pledge Me started. So I went back to do my master's in entrepreneurship while working, and Pledge Me was my thesis.
0: Very cool. Very mm. cool. So did Pledge Me start – before you went back to do your master's in entrepreneurship or that was a kind of a result of going back to do it?
1: Yeah, it was a result. So one of the things with the master's is you have to write a thesis on a company that you would Could start. And so you do all of the things you're supposed to do business plan, feasibility analysis, uh, literature review. And then the idea is that you'll have done everything that you could start that company if you want to. And when I went into the program, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Like, I was just like, I was looking at everything. I was like, well, you know, what if we had like vending machines with DVDs or like community supported agriculture or all these different things? And then it was about six months in, I saw what was happening in the States with Kickstarter and got really excited and decided to do that.
0: Awesome. What made you go back to to do your master's in entrepreneurship to start with? Like what were the drivers there?
1: Yeah. So it was, I was at work here in New Zealand and actually overseas. I was really privileged. I worked for the New Zealand government for five years and got posted overseas a few times, but I realized that I'd sort of gotten to the point of where I could um, without having either worked in the private sector or having a master's. And so I started looking at programs. I looked at all the MBA programs around New Zealand and realized that the Masters of Entrepreneurship was like the lazy man's MBA because <laughs> you, um, you only had to do it two days every six weeks and you could keep on working full time. And so I was like, That's, that looks great. And so I ended up uh, doing that while working and, and started Pledge Me uh, while I was doing it as well.
0: The idea of Kickstarter started to get you excited at that point. Had you been exposed to crowdfunding much before then?
1: So it was really early days. So this was in 2011. And so Kickstarter had been around for a few years, but wasn't really known internationally. Crowdfunding was really early days. The first platform started launching in 2006, 2007. So I hadn't really been exposed to crowdfunding, but I had worked previously in grants administration. So I really understood the struggles especially companies had getting funding because I'd seen the process they had to go through to get funding from the government. And I also saw the process that I thought was somewhat flawed where, you know, there's a 24-year-old making the decision around whether you get your funding or not, also known as me. (laughs) And so, yeah, I had a really interesting perspective on funding and how I thought crowdfunding could actually improve that. And so that's why I was so excited about crowdfunding because it sort of hit home for me that this was potentially a more democratized way of making decisions around who got funding and who didn't.
0: Yeah, and that excited you a little bit more than vending machines with DVDs in? Yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm pretty pretty sure I saw them when I was in Japan last, actually. They're really cool,
1: but definitely there's a lot of logistical things around that. Mm, Yeah.
0: mm, Not overly scalable. Well,
1: yeah, you need a lot of, you know, you need a lot of
0: manpower for it anyway.
1: A lot of capital to get that started. Yeah, whereas with the platform, it was, it was relatively easy, especially with the first iteration because I partnered with a, a tech co-founder. Yeah. And so he built the platform and I did everything else.
0: Very cool. Yeah. And so how long is the, is the Masters of Entrepreneurship? And when did you kind of think, Hey, this is, this is a tipping point that actually rather than just being a theoretical, sort of concept that's floating around that I'm writing down. Actually, I want to go and do this.
1: Yeah. So the program is supposed to go for 18 months. I ran away overseas halfway through, so it took a little bit longer for me. Um, I ended up being posted in Shanghai for six months for work, but it went, yeah, I think it was probably about, yeah, it would have been like a year and a half in when I found out about crowdfunding. And then I worked on that thesis for, six months. And that's when we decided to do Pledge Me and launch it. And I met my co-founder. So it was relatively quickly after deciding that's what I wanted to do that it actually happened. Because I started researching what's happening in New Zealand. And I found this guy who was just launching something. And so that's when I met him and said, I was really interested in helping. And
0: yeah, it just went from there. Was there much trepidation about starting that off yourself?
1: I think the scariest moment when it first started was the moment where I put my own money into it. So... Mm -hmm we both decided to invest some cash into getting um, a designer in to do the front end of the platform because what uh, my co-founder had originally built wasn't very pretty. <laughs> and it turns out you need a good brand to get people to use something, especially online. You need to trust it. And so we both put in $5,000 of our own money. And and that was the moment where I was like, oh crap, <laughs> this, is, this is like a real thing. Like I, I could lose all my money like if this doesn't work out.
0: But yeah. Yeah. And was that kind of, most of the money that you had at the time? It
1: was a lot of the money that I had, yeah. yeah. It was a lot of my savings, so, yeah.
0: Obviously, that uh, kind of investing that much in it as well, it gives you, I mean, it, you probably always had that incentive there, but you've just kind of invested so much of yourself into it that you're like, Whoa, I need to. I need to make sure that I do this really really well now and it sounds like you had a had a great plan in place beforehand well i should actually ask you did you pass your master's (laughs) one
1: i did i got an a (laughs) oh nice yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um though i do look back on that plan i actually share it with some people still and i look back and i'm like oh my god i was so young (laughs) like just like the metrics around when we'd be successful it's
0: so yep. tiny uh, <laughs> what you had yourself kind of uh, being real successful after like six weeks or so, or
1: not the time frame, but just like we had numbers like we're like when we have fifteen campaigns that have been funded, that's like when we're going to really start taking off and you know um and you know that happened within the first few weeks, so that was relatively yeah. quick, yeah. but you know now we've had over 1200 yeah. successful campaigns so
0: why did why did success look like that? for you when you started?
1: I think it just, it felt like that was the point where we had multiple people having had used the platform Mm. and being successful and actually working. And like, that felt like the validation point when we could start really telling people about it, like,
0: you
1: know, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And do you remember when you got to that point within the first couple of weeks, did you feel successful at that point? Did you feel validated or...
1: Definitely felt successful, and definitely felt like we'd built something that was working. Um, around that same time, though, uh, uh, we had our first major hiccup in that our transaction provider decided crowdfunding was illegal, and they took us down. <laughs> it was around the same time as we'd had like our 15 successful campaign, um, and that was probably one of the most stressful experiences. Oh well, no, it wasn't the most stressful, but it was definitely one of one of the top. Stresses at the start. Um, didn't really sleep for a day, two mm. days. Mm.
0: So when that ha- when that happened, what was your what was your reaction to it? Besides not sleeping, were you sl- not sleeping because you were just really worried, or were you not sleeping because you were actually getting out and just had heaps of stuff that you needed to do?
1: So we were doing a lot of work. So as soon as that happened, we um, as soon as it happened, and we realized we couldn't talk them out of it. Uh, we got in touch with all of our campaigners and told them what was going on, um, apologized profusely, said we, you know, we never knew that that could happen and we weren't doing anything illegal. So it didn't really make sense, but that we were going to build a new solution where people could still pledge through the platform, but we wouldn't be processing tokens. So we wouldn't be taking credit cards. Um, so my co-founder at the time, he started building that so we could actually keep the platform going. Uh, and I managed all the comms and the media and everything around it. And the beautiful thing was our campaigner is a, especially the ones that knew us personally, um, started going out to the media and telling them what was happening and being like, this thing has happened, you should do a story on this. So the media started calling our transaction provider, being like, why have you shut this platform down? Do you know there's a group of Christchurch choir boys that now won't get their money to go overseas to do the thing? And and we were just like, oh, this is like, it's awesome. The support um, that came out around it was was beautiful, but
0: it was just really stressful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you mind if we have a little bit of a chat about stress at the moment? Yep. I mean, we were talking about uh, kind of stress and the the concept of your brain sort of fizzing around a little mm. bit before. Did you then, and and do you now have any ways that you kind of manage your stress level? Because obviously, being in an environment like this, that there, there are going to be times mm. that stress builds up and uh, and things happen. How do you? How do you? Probably one, identify that and then address it.
1: Yeah, I think there's a pretty constantly high level of stress, um, especially when you're trying to grow a company. So I think I've just gotten used to a base level of stress in my life, which probably isn't healthy on an ongoing basis. Uh, But one of the ways that I deal with stress is I just have some really amazing friends. So when things are happening, I have a lot of people I can talk to about, you know, what would they do? And especially friends who have either done their own companies before or have experience in certain areas. So, you know, they're really useful to soundboard often and sort of give me some perspective on whether the stress is useful stress or whether the stress is just that's not something that you can worry about. You no. Know? Um, so, yeah, it's really good to have that sort of network. And I've been really lucky in building um, a really good, strong yeah foundation of friends who've done businesses as well
0: mm, very cool very cool yeah and i think you're, you're right on that point about uh about good stress and, and bad stress or yeah. i think they call it uh distress and, and eustress as well that sometimes stress is it's like a catalyst for getting you going mm. and, and and doing things uh, and kind of i was talking to a, a guy uh, last week, actually, the podcast that came came out um, about he talks about finding finding your edge. So mm-hmm. the the point where you're at the kind of the edge of your capability, and that beyond that is is uncertainty. And then kind of working there that's when you that's when you're really alive. You're under that amount of stress to be able to kind of generate awesome ideas and respond really really well but not so much that it's that it's overwhelming you.
1: Yeah, There's- and I think that's a really important distinction. Like, yeah, there is healthy stress, which is just making you think differently about things and um, push harder. And it's one of the reasons they say bootstrapping is is good, you know, because it means you are trying to make things happen, not with all the money in the world. Like, you have to make some really clear decisions about what's going to make the most impact. Um, but, yeah, once sometimes it can get to the point where it's actually bad stress and you're in the pit of despair and that's when you need – People to tell you, like you know, actually look at all the successes that you have had, or this is a thing that you can change, or you know, this is a thing you shouldn't even be worrying about. Mm. Um, yeah,
0: that's cool that you you've got that that network there to to bounce ideas off with that because sometimes I think if you you just get stuck in your head around that, it is you just go go in circles, and sometimes you just kind of spiral downwards, and then someone will say something, and you think, ah, oh, actually. Why was I so concerned about that? You just kind of latch onto it, but that's an interesting rabbit hole we've been down. <laughs> Coming um,
1: back let, up out of the let's rabbit jump,
0: hole, let's jump back, jumping um, back out. So you'd had fifteen successful campaigns. How quickly did the goalposts shift for you at that point in time? To kind of what what were the next things that you were you wanting to work on at that point?
1: Yeah, so I think the, the goalposts have constantly changed as we've grown as a business. And so the first year was really focused on project campaigns and and how are we you going to do that um, really effectively. Um, the second year was sort of growing that. Um, and at the end of the second year, we actually changed our technology, um, decided to move from .NET to Ruby on Rails. I don't know if you know anything about tech, but it was a complete rebuild, um, which was good in a lot of ways. It made what we were doing more scalable. Um, and then the third year was the year we decided to get into equity crowdfunding. So that's when the legislation in New Zealand changed and we decided to get into the financial markets. Um, and that was a really big move, uh, because it just was a, it still aligns with what we do and our mission is to help Kiwis fund the things they care about. But it's moved into an area that's traditionally serviced by investment bankers and angels and venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole different sort of knowledge set that you'd need to do that. So that was a big sort of not growing up moment, but a, a moment of, yeah, just completely
0: sort of changing the landscape in which um,
1: we wanted to operate.
0: Yeah. I want to jump into that a little bit, a little bit more as well. Um, but I want to also have a bit more of a talk about, uh, about Pledge Me and kind <laughs> of the, what, what crowdfunding is. I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of people that are listening that do, Do know what it is but there's also going to be some out there that aren't very familiar with it and definitely the ones the listeners from overseas aren't going to be familiar with well a lot of the listeners from overseas aren't going to be familiar with with pledge me as well so can you kind of talk about the stuff that you're that you're into and then explain sort of what equity crowdfunding is because it's quite an interesting topic
1: yeah so pledge me is a crowdfunding platform here in New Zealand. Um, And our main mission, as I said, is to help Kiwis fund things they care about. And we started off in sort of the project campaign space, which is like Kickstarter, where you create a campaign and you offer rewards. Um, Crowdfunding is the idea that you go out to your crowd for funding. You set a really specific goal of how much money you want to raise, a deadline in which you want to raise it by. And yeah, you offer something in return. And so with projects, that's offering rewards. With equity campaigns, that's offering shares in your company. And with lending campaigns, that's offering loan notes to your crowd. So you actually offer them a loan note at an interest rate that you set and repayment terms that you set. And so instead of interest going to a bank, the interest goes to your community um, that have supported you. So we offer three different types of crowdfunding. And um, the first one, Project Space, is where we started. And the latter two, equity and lending, um, that's what we've gotten into recently. And, and those two... Spaces, equity, and lending are um, regulated, so we're licensed by the Financial Markets Authority here in New Zealand to offer it, and um, it's yeah in the financial markets. So it's a it's a it's a riskier space in some ways.
0: Yeah. Why did you decide to get into that area?
1: Because if we want to help QE's fund the things they care about, we needed to go wider and go Mm -hmm. bigger and offer more and um, offering equity crowdfunding just made sense to us because we saw the struggles of companies raising money here in New Zealand um, and we felt it aligned with our mission. And then with loan notes, we felt it really aligned as well because it's democratizing debt, you know, it's making it more of a community based approach. It's um, allowing anyone um, who can show the ability to repay um, to uh, issue a loan out to their crowd, either for their business or their organization. And the cool thing with that is, you know, it's, yeah, it's just changing the conversation and the dynamic around lending. Um, it's not just one person that decides whether you can borrow money. It's your whole crowd.
0: Mm, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, y- you've had quite a few people going through that approach so far.
1: On the equity side, we've had uh, 20 successful campaigns, 21. And on the lending side so far, we were only licensed last year. We've had two successful campaigns.
0: Yeah. Mm, very cool. It, just a question around that. How do people demonstrate that they have the ability to, to repay uh, the lending?
1: So it's it's based both on current financial performance and um, forecasts. Mm-hmm. So they we don't want people to borrow money that have no possibility of repaying it because you're putting someone in a shitty situation. You shouldn't do that. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, you want to allow people to do it Without being stuck with exorbitant interest rates or having to guarantee um, the loan personally.
0: You see that kind of, that's one of the big sort of future things that you'll pledge me will be working on, but also kind of the, the area of crowdfunding and the area of finance uh, is going to, uh, to really adopt and run with.
1: So, lending is two thirds of the international crowdfunding market already. Is it? No. Yeah. So, it's, it's huge, especially internationally. Um, and I think in some ways that just makes sense, you know, people sort of get debt. They sort of understand it more than they'd understand investing in a company and how you set valuations and all of that. Um, but also it is, yeah, it is in some ways more democratic. It, I get really excited when I look at things like the Grameen bank. Have you heard of that?
0: No, no. So
1: the Grameen bank is, uh, was set up by Mohammed Yunus in the seventies in Sri Lanka. And it was the idea that instead of, um, giving charity to your poorest people, especially your poorest women, um, you should be lending them money so they can go out and start their own businesses and repay it. And instead of having one central bank decide who gets the money, it's actually people from the community that decide who gets the money. And instead of that individual getting the money individually, they have to go into this process with a group of friends who all learn about financial literacy at the same time. So when they have to start repaying that loan, it's not just them thinking about how they're going to do that. They've actually got a crowd around them supporting them. And the repayment rates for the Grameen Bank are, like, insane. It's 99%, you know. And the amount of good work that they've done in those local communities bringing them out of poverty, it's insane. And so, like, I'm not saying we're trying to be the Grameen Bank because, you know, they've won a Nobel Prize. But, like, that sort of thing, like, just changing the conversation around finance is really exciting.
0: Mm, mm. With the people that you talk to around this, is it mostly positive responses that you're uh, that you're receiving, or is there quite a bit of pushback as well, saying, mm, "No, not not sure about this."
1: Uh, we get both. It really depends on who we're talking to. There's a lot of excitement. Um, there's also a lot of hesitancy um, because it is a financial markets and is quite risky. And there's been a lot of uh, bad behavior in the past. Um, and I think a lot of the bad behavior in the past it, it is due to anonymity and and being so removed from the decision making um which i think is what crowdfunding tries to counter with its transparency and its platform-based decision making and um lots of individuals pledging smaller amounts um but yeah there's definitely a, a train of thought that um crowdfunding is a bad thing and people shouldn't be shouldn't be allowed to invest in anything
0: yeah is there? A, do you have a go-to line that you say to those people?
1: Um, well, one of the one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest uh, bits of feedback we get is that it's dumb money. You know, the people that are investing don't know what they're doing; they're dumb. And uh, I was chatting to one of our founders about that, who um, Stu from Easty Boys. They raised half a million dollars in half an hour for their um, craft beer company. And I told him that and he's like, it's not dumb money and it's love money. Like it's people that actually care about us succeeding and getting on board with it because they want us to do what we've said we're going to do. And they're bringing so much more than just the cash. They're actually bringing skills. And that's what we've seen is, you know, the people that support crowdfunding campaigns are motivated by more than just a financial return. And they are helping our companies do things that potentially the previously – known as smart money wouldn't have been able to do, you know, bringing in skills as chemists and as, um, you know, branding, um, experts and all of that.
0: Mm, yeah. It's much more sort of diverse. Yeah. And community based mm-hmm. as well. And that you're drawing off all the skills of the, of the community mm-hmm. with, with your projects as well, which is, which is really awesome. And it's, yeah. Uh, I definitely don't agree that it's, that it's dumb money. Uh, <laughs> it's just so it's just so it's what just so it?
1: mean like it's not even mean it's just so like looking down on and patronizing the crowd and being like oh i'm better than that it's like the crowd is everyone like it's just it's as diverse as mm. anything from accountants to chemists to
0: anything physios in a changing tackle was well, slightly um still kind of on the topic of uh of That's too strong a word. People slag me off, but um, <laughs> oh, trolls! But, uh, yeah. Oh, I've had my fair share trolls. of trolls. With, I mean, you—I I, I read something that you read everything that is written about Pledge Me, the good and and the bad with it. Not anymore. And, yeah, <laughs> and you. And I think actually the the article said that you you your team had stopped you reading anything kind of below the the finish point of the yeah. article, which is probably a good thing. But when you when you kind of receive criticism, how do you deal with it now compared to how you dealt with it when you started out?
1: So when I first started out, I read everything. Mm-hmm. So I'd read the articles, I'd read the comments, I'd stew, um, I'd cry. Uh, now I rarely read the comments on articles uh, to the point where people will mention stuff that has been said in the comments and I'll just be like cool. <laughs> I'm really not engaging in that. I'll engage in people that want to talk to me in person and I'll engage in people that engage me online directly, um, to a point. But if someone's just writing anonymous comments on a national business review article, I really can't be bothered responding to them because yeah, they, I don't feel like they've, um, done it in a transparent or direct way. Yeah. It was a hard learning to get to that point though. Like, um, as you start putting yourself out there to get that sort of pushback and that sort of negative commentary from people that won't even put their names to it is is quite jarring.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's a real challenge when you're kind of intricately tied to to something and to a, to a project that your part of your identity is wrapped up in that as well mm-hmm. that when people start to To kind of challenge it, it almost gives you a little bit of an identity crisis and makes you question yourself a wee bit Uh, as a person at times. Um,
1: Yeah, there definitely is. It definitely is hard. But at the same time, like we should be having robust conversations about mm, everything. mm. And I'm not against having those conversations and discussing um, different perspectives. I think diversity of perspective is really important. Um, For me, there's just, I feel like sometimes. Yeah, a lack of kindness or a lack of caring um, online—that is sort of distressing. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, like what what areas do you see that in specifically around the around the online stuff? It did mainly in the comment section of any online okay.
1: news um, website, mm-hmm. uh, except for the spinoff and um, Radio New Zealand because they've decided to turn off their mm. comment sections. Yeah. Um,
0: what do you, what do you think that there is that negativity out there?
1: I mean, everyone's different and everyone has the perspective that they have based on their life experiences. And I think sometimes people are negative because that's how they feel like they're being heard. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, good question. Mm-hmm. what do you think
0: Oh, turning the table is nice, yeah, um I think it's i mean it's a I don't particularly write comments on articles good or good or bad, um but I think yeah, often you're right that people are looking for their opinion to be heard and for their opinion to kind of be be validated mm-hmm. with that stuff and actually. Post putting something up that's that negative or slightly controversial is is going to to get more feedback on mm. it um but also i mean potentially it's it's people kind of coming from a, a place where they're a little bit scared and the things aren't quite going mm. as well for them as they as they maybe want them to be Yeah,
1: so they're uncomfortable themselves mm. i think there is that thing as well you're right like you know people are either triggered positively or negatively and if there's nothing that they have to engage with they probably won't say anything Mm -hmm. but they're you're only ever going to get the good stuff and the bad stuff like there's not really any in between
0: you get a lot more bad stuff than you do good stuff (sighs) yeah
1: or at least the i made the mistake i made the mistake of um on one particularly harsh article um sending my friends to it because I, I tweeted, I think I tweeted or maybe I Facebook about how sad I was that the comments were so mean. And so there was basically, there's just this loving on the article where everyone started saying how great I was and how great the company was and how actually they were really supportive of us. And, you know, some of our investors started like commenting about how much they supported us. And so they actually decided to do a whole new article about the comment section of the previous <laughs> article. So it made my life arguably worse because now there was – two articles for people to comment on <laughs> and I was like oh yeah no I'm never doing that again
0: <laughs> I've learned my lesson uh, good yeah Life, life's a learning process it is, eh? it is, <laughs> it is. and uh I mean you you talked a little bit before about the the stressful situation of um, of having people decide that crowdfunding was illegal and then having to change your, your whole, your whole approach. And you said it was one of the most stressful situations. What, what has been the most stressful or a couple of other ones that have been really stressful for you?
1: Yeah. Um, I think one of the most stressful things in business and in life is relationships with people. Um, people are the best thing and they're also sometimes the worst thing. And so a lot of the stressful situations that I've been in or we've been in as a company is when um, there's just a misalignment of values or direction. Um, yeah, there, were, there was one, one instance with um, someone that we wanted to bring on as a director and just the realization during that process that, you know, there was very different, views on where we're going and different, different, um, decision-making processes and different ways of reacting to
0: information. And
1: yeah, situations like that can just be really highly stressful.
0: Yeah. What did you, what did you learn from that experience? Like have you, did you have a couple of things that you've taken away that you have sort of adopted into your, into your business or into, into life in general?
1: Um, one of them is, I think everyone says this, so you all already know it, but really listen to your gut. Like if you're really uncomfortable by something, like there's good stress and there's bad stress. And if it's like an uncomfortable, like, oh, this doesn't feel like it's going to be right. Mm. Um, listen to that if you can. Um, and yeah, just just when you're making any decisions around um, people, it's just making sure that even if you have different ideas of how you're going to get somewhere, you're still going in the same direction. Um, Cause it's good to have different ideas about how you're going to get somewhere. Um, but you need to know that that somewhere is in the same hemisphere, <laughs> if not the same continent. Um, yeah. I think those, those are two the two things that I've yeah. learned.
0: Cool. Very cool. And uh, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you, that you did and how did you get through it? Mm,
1: that's a good question. Um, so uh, currently we're, and I, I told you this before, we're making a decision around whether we go to Australia or not. So Australia is changing their legislation to allow equity crowdfunding as we speak, and it should be coming through in the next, um, four weeks. So the end of September, and that's been a really stressful decision because Australia, while it looks like it's very similar to New Zealand is very different and, uh, our whole premise for our company so far has been to help kiwis fund things they care about so what's that going to mean if we go across a ditch and you know will we be able to do it and so there's just been a lot of really big questions around yeah should we do it how would we do it and all of that and so it's been quite uncomfortable but at the same time um, the team has been amazing around it and sort of the discussions and the planning and the strategy sessions um, have really gotten at least me to a point where i'm quite excited and i think that's something that We should, we should go over and see, you know, we should go over and see if it makes sense for us to be there. Awesome. Mm.
0: So that might be just an extension of the answer for this next question, but what's the next uncomfortable thing you're going to do? (laughs) Why is that uncomfortable for you?
1: (laughs) I think Brisbane in summer is going to be quite uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be going and effectively starting from scratch in some ways, you know, we've got experience and a background here in New Zealand, We've got some networks that we're building in Australia, but it really is starting new, um, starting all over again.
0: Mm. Yeah, with a, with a whole new set of challenges, but a little bit more experience as well. So hopefully...
1: Yeah, experience and a great team and yeah. some awesome cheerleaders and, mm. you know, potential. But um, the thing that scares me about Australia is they love their rules. And they are looking set to overregulate the industry to a point where it might not actually work. Um, it's been interesting, actually, internationally with equity crowdfunding. You know, there's, there's sort of the UK model, which has been pretty much unregulated. They started because they were allowed to legally start without having to change the legislation. Um, New Zealand was the first country in the world to change our legislation to allow it. And we've done it in a pretty flexible way. But America and Australia have both gone down a really overregulated route. And in America, in their first year of equity crowdfunding, they only did $32 million worth of deals. Um, in New Zealand's first year of equity crowdfunding, we did $12.4 million worth of deals, and we're only between 1% to 2% the size of the States. So the States has done something massively wrong. <laughs>
0: mm, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Where, do you see the, where do you see the future of crowdfunding going?
1: So in my mind, the future of crowdfunding is around lending. Um, I think that that's really where um, a big difference is going to be made both for companies and for organizations. But I also think the future of crowdfunding is with social enterprise. So the idea that, um, you know, the, the people that are going to be going out and funding their plans are people that are trying to make more than just a financial return. You know, they're focusing on the environment and people um as well as profit.
0: Mm. Very cool. Mm. Very cool. And I've got uh, a couple more quick questions mm-hmm. for you, but I just want to say thanks very much for, for taking the time to sit down and have a have a chat with me today. It's been really awesome. awesome. But also thank you so much as well for uh, helping Kiwis go out and fund the, the awesome ideas that they have and the things that they they care about and thank you making making New Zealand a better place for it. Oh, and I awesome. wish you, wish you the best of luck in Australia with it as well. Thank you. Um first question should be relatively easy if people want to to follow along with you um or with pledge me. Yep. Uh where should they go? How can they do that?
1: So pledge me is on Facebook and Twitter. Um just pledge me. P L E D G E M E. Um you can go to our website as well www.pledgeme.co.nz. Um for me personally, I'm quite prolific on Twitter. Um, And my handle is at where underscore is underscore Anna, um, because I travel so much, no one ever knows where I am.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, I was wondering why you had that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant. My team were like, where,
1: where, where are you today? (laughs) Wellington or Dunedin or yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, The next question is a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. Do you have any challenges to leave me and the listeners with today?
1: challenges in what way like challenging you to a duel or
0: what yeah, are we it, it could be it could be that or something yeah. that you think that we should go out and implement in the next week Hmm, that's a good question or think about
1: i think i just challenge you to think about um what positive difference you want to make in your community you know what is the social enterprise that you want to support either by purchasing from them or the social enterprise that you want to start you know how how can you make a difference
0: Hmm. awesome Anna thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today
1: you're welcome that was a lot less uncomfortable than I thought it was gonna be (laughs)